Welcome to PNR Show Season 5, Episode 1, Holiday Dregs. The Laurel and Hardy Music YouTube channel. Awesome. Hello. Hi, Rob. Welcome to the Pint of No Return show. Your one-stop shop for a trio of boozing beer bros. That's right. I said trio. So long, Jeremy. He who must not be named. Except they just named him. <laughs> oh, wow. sad. Yeah. The That's epic it. Fails right off the beginning. That's so right. many, so many, too many to count. I know. Season five, uh, we are uh, down a man. Jeremy has gone on to that great uh, brewery in the sky, um, and is enjoying ales and sipping back, sitting back and listening to us ramble on about nothing in particular. Well, but grooms his mustache. That's right. Groom, groom, groom away, my friend. Groom away. But. Uh, we are going to press on. We're going to Lee press on nails with a brand new season of entertainment for y'all. And how much are we charging for this entertainment, you may ask? Not enough. <laughs> or possibly too much. <laughs> free is too much, then call us guilty, I guess. <laughs> Hi, I'm Rob. I'm joined by Keith and Gary, and you've Stumbled onto accidentally the pint of no return show while looking probably for a sports uh, podcast or something about uh, chicks at Hooters. We've got us drinking beer and one of us holding puppies up to the camera while the other plays Laurel and Hardy music from the 1930s. Hi. Hi, Rob. If uh, you're not familiar with the show, that's good because uh, we're changing it up a little bit. Um, we're going to go with a little more of a relaxed atmosphere this year not perhaps not so regimented um we're going to be drinking beers and talking about beers of course because that's the core of this podcast but uh we're also gonna just kind of shoot the ball not you know so here's our topic segment here's our pick segment here's here's where we fill for five minutes because we don't know what to talk about um, instead, you're going to get a half an hour of us filling. We don't know what's talking. Yeah. About. <laughs> it's just all fill. Yeah. You just get just all fill. All it's the just content. banter. We're so comfortable with each other uh, now that we can just banter and not have to worry about things like uh, theme and direction. And well, it's it's know. sort of like a a three way video call that we're letting the world look in on. Yeah, exactly. absolutely. Sorry and, about and, that. Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> so normally on the Pine of No Return show, now this will stay the same uh, for the most part in our podcasts. Normally, we're going to each have the same beer, uh, even though we're in different locations. Literally, three different uh, – we're literally across the country. Keith is in New York. Yep. Gary's in California. I'm in Texas. But we've come together for you. Uh, the listing public, and normally we will have the three uh, three bottles of the same beer, which will 
drink and talk about and kind of get our different assessments are we we have very different palettes as far as beer goes um but this week since it's the first week back of season we're doing what we call a byob which is a bring your own beer or two or three as the as the boys probably have <laughs> done because they enjoy their drinking so um guys you want you just want to tell us what you brought well, this is the holiday dregs episode. So the idea is bring whatever seasonal beer is left over in your fridge from New Year's Eve, Christmas, Thanksgiving, whatever events you had around. Could be a pumpkin uh, beer. Yeah, sure. Bring it. Bring whatever you, you got. Pumpkin beer. However, I have a fair amount of dregs this year, so I have choices, and I'm going to let you guys pick what I drink. Ooh. So. First up is a contestant from the Genesee Brew House right here in Rochester. This is their dark chocolate scotch ale. Oh. Hmm. Now, when, okay. you, when you do a chocolate beer, normally you do it in a stout or a porter, but this isn't a scotch ale, which is kind of a medium, more of a medium weight, but with dark mm -hmm. chocolate. I have not, I served this at my New Year's Eve party. I never tasted it. So this one, I have oh, no okay. feelings about it all yet. What? I is also, that a new brew? Is that a new brew for Genesee, or has that been around for a while? It's seasonal. It's okay. this year's winter seasonal. Gotcha. Uh, I have Blue Point, which is out of Long Island. Uh, their winter ale. Hello, okay. Camera. We, camera. I believe camera. we've done a Blue Point before. I'll show you. I'll show you down here now because my camera's deciding to be wonky. Nice. And then I have the last one. I have <laughs> is uh, Southern Tier. Uh, which is just a little south of us. This is a raspberry white wheat beer. Mm. But I'll tell you, I've had this one, and that label is a little deceptive. Oh. So there's your three beers to choose from. I will uh, reset my camera here. All right. So uh, <laughs> I'll let you know what... Gary and I will lock in our votes. You can lock in your votes and let me know what I'm drinking, or at least what I'm drinking first. All right. I'm going to vote for Gary. that chocolate chocolate scotch ale because that doesn't yeah i'll probably like go with that as well i mean if you hadn't tried it before i would have said the white but the chocolate's intriguing well if we don't but get to the white i will mention it at the end of the show as well i brought we'll two with me as well so i i, I imagine one beer is not going to be enough tonight so <laughs> it's been that kind of night yeah. gary what did you uh bring with you uh well i'm starting off with the celebration ale from sierra nevada oh uh, yes it's a holiday staple, and um, I have a couple bottles left from the six-pack, so I'm having that. And um, I guess if we're doing two beers, I'll have to go see what else is in the fridge. So, well, it's just as uh, you feel. You, if you feel the thirst come along, I may feel the thirst. Um, yeah, I, I have a I have a pretty nice uh, stout from Lagunitas that is um, actually in the garage. That's so probably at the right temperature for uh, a stout. It's a um, that's really 50, good. 55 degrees. Sounds good for a stout. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's probably perfect. So cool. I, I go, let me run and grab that. So I'm um, I was away for most of the holidays, um, or for Christmas anyway. Um, so I didn't have I don't have any holiday beers. Um, what I do have though is uh, from the Lazy Magnolia Brewery. Uh, a southern pecan, as they say down here in the south, or up in the north where Keith and I are from, pecan. That'd be a pecan beer, Rob. Pecan. It's a pecan nut brown ale. 
Um, oh, that sounds that good. Brewed with roasted pecans. Uh, and then in addition, I brought one that uh, our buddy Gary, I'm sorry, our buddy Jeremy, I've done it and he's not even on the show anymore. He's not even on the our show. Buddy, our buddy some Jeremy sent us. I, I brought some Henry's uh, cane sugar hard cherry cola. Oh, <laughs> never had that. Yeah. I've seen the brand, but uh, I haven't. I haven't gone. Is that like that. Henry Weinhardt's? Uh, it's Blitz Weinhardt Brewing Company. Yes. Okay. Yeah, they had a. They make a good regular like root beer. You know, conventional root beer that I've always enjoyed. Actually, no, I've never think had about this. Apart. I don't think. I don't think Jeremy sent this to me. I think I bought it myself. Yeah. I think it looked good. So. All right. So, but I'm going to do the nut brown. So let's pop these open uh tonight we decided uh if we did have a topic to kind of just shoot the breeze with we're just going to kind of drink and pour guys um yeah i'm pouring we decided we needed to, we did need to talk about star wars we haven't had a chance to yeah. discuss that yet so we'll be just chatting the breeze shooting the breeze so uh prost guys right, prost still pouring cheers sorry well before i uh before i sip i have to comment on the nose to this thing uh, this is an amazing nose. Not only does it smell of dark chocolate, it smells of like banana and clove. So this is the is my mouth watering for like a chocolate covered banana right now, which is not what I expected when I poured a scotch oh, ale. Remember that old banana bread beer we had? Mm -hmm. Oh man! I still go back to that once or twice a year. Do you really? I haven't had that in a while. Well, I will tell you, I am I am a a lover of nut brown ales. Newcastle is one of my favorite beers of all time, which they had on tap for a little while on the cruise that I was on until they ran out really quickly because apparently it's a, a lot of people's favorite beer. Um, Actually, Rob, this, it was just you. You drank it all. No, I only had one glass of it. Um, they, they only have like a pony. But I will tell you, I, I will tell you that right off the bat, and this is no hyperbole, this Lazy Magnolia Southern Pecan is a better beer than the Newcastle. This may be my favorite brown ale of all time now. Wow. It's so good and even and smooth. Mm, delicious. I have to get more of that. Well done, Lazy Magnolia. It's Mississippi's oldest brewery, by the way. Wow. Okay. How old are they, though? Like, you know, three years or something? Great question. They just figured out brewing in Mississippi. Wow, that's not nice. Yeah. <laughs> they could well, have they're, laws they're... against it or something. I, I will look it up while you tell us about your beer, uh, Gary. You know, Celebration Ale. Um, it's what uh, it is, folks. Sierra Nevada. They do it every year. It's a fresh hop IPA. Um, it doesn't taste much like a winter beer. I guess it's maybe a, a little a little darker than some IPAs. It's definitely more on the amber side. Um, but it's really good. I enjoy it every year. It's uh, one of the better holiday beers. There's a lot of holiday beers that like they overspice them. They try to do things that are really creative, and they end up just tasting like piss. So um, hats off Tastes to Celebration like Ale. Yeah, yeah. Or licked one of like Santa's reindeers in the nether regions or something. <laughs> oh, good um, lord. <laughs> um, but Celebration Ale is good. I mean, Sierra Nevada makes great uh, IPAs and, and pale ales, obviously. And um, they just, you know, did a slightly variation spin on an IPA. And uh, it's good every year. Hmm. 
Well, interestingly, Keith was actually kind of right. Um, the Laser Magnolia Brewing Company has only been around oh, since 2003. The and they're the oldest the one. And they're the oldest one. Um, yeah. They're out of Kill, Kill, Mississippi, which I believe is where Brett Favre is from. Kill? K-I-L-L? K-I-L-N, but it's pronounced Kill. The N is silent. Just to, to not mistake it with, you know, pottery, you'd rather be associated with murder. Um, yeah. It's the, it's the first packaged brewery since Prohibition. And I might add, the Southern Pecan Nut Brown Ale Beer won the 2006 Bronze Medal in the World Beer Cup in the specialty beer category. So apparently I picked a good one. That's, that is good. It's very that nice. That is good. Yeah. Delicious. So good. Really good. That actually sounds like a good beer. You'll have to if find you some like more. brown ales, mm, yeah. this is a this. I will include this in the uh, pack I'm going to send you guys. I was to say, yeah, if it's uh, readily available to you, that would be yeah. a, a great include. I got this at the grocery store, so yeah, absolutely. Like it. Mm -hmm. So Keith camera is drunk. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> better than Keith though. Better my yeah. camera than me. Uh, this is so far fantastic, by the way. This is, is living up to the nose. The uh, the sweet malt from the Scotch Ale is is acting very banana like, and it's a perfect mix with the dark chocolate. This is ridiculously good. Mm. As as it definitely a sweet or an after dinner beer, but I am sucking it down. It's nearly gone. So we've got the Genesee uh, chocolate. Dark chocolate, excuse me. The Genesee dark yep. chocolate, Scotch ale. We've got uh, Gary's Sierra Nevada. Um, uh, was it, I'm sorry. Was it what was it called? The holiday ale. Celebration. Thank you. Sorry. And the Lazy Magnolia Southern Pecan. Those three. We are here at the Pint of No Return show. Going to recommend highly to you. Yeah, yes. we were three for three so far. Yeah, absolutely. So. Guys, did you go and see Star Wars? Nah, skipped it. Yeah, I, I haven't. Actually. I'm sorry. Keith, I should have asked Keith. I know Gary went probably like on the first night like I did. Uh, I, I did, and I waited until like Monday because the movie theater in Petaluma kind of sucks now with the way they're doing tickets and stuff. Um, you have to movie buy in advance. Well, they don't have that. But you have to... They're assigned seating, so you you. Yeah. I, I didn't buy my tickets at the day they came out, so I had to wait until Monday, which was fine because okay. I didn't want to deal with all the crowds yeah. and stuff. So, and Keith has the Keith has the kids, um, so you may not have got yeah, any the kids well. and the holidays and the stuff, and it's definitely on our radar, but we haven't done it yet. You so you ha you actually have not seen the movie yet. I have not seen the movie. Oh my goodness! How are we? Sorry, are you going to be are you going to be okay with spoilers? Because I am okay with spoilers. At this point, Sorry. it's my own damn fault. I'll deal with it as it as it comes. I know. I mean, I, we don't I mean, have to and, spoil. And to, be, and to be honest, I've heard a lot already because okay. in the instant the controversy started okay. showing up, I kind of researched it a little bit because I wanted to know what was going on. So the controversy. There's, yeah, what was the there's controversy. Don't you guys know about the the Star? Half the fans hate it. Half the fans love oh, it. That's every Star Wars movie oh, now. Man, that's not, yeah, well, yeah, but, that's not controversial. Well, okay, so okay, so let's. It's let, enough let, that it made let's national about, news. Let's let's go with that first because I kind of 
ranted about this on on Facebook a little bit because yes, uh, about half of my friends really liked it and the other half really hated it. Um, and I, I honestly have come to the realization, and I've been in this camp too for a long time, but I've come to the realization that we have at, at our age level, you us guys, like when over in our forties, fifties, whatever, that grew up Watch on it, the man. first three movies, right? We have so romanticized those first three films into something legendary and and godlike that no matter what was brought to us, we'd find something to nitpick about and to, to find fault with it. And we just don't have that sentimental attachment necessarily to these films as we do to those three original ones. Because, I mean, don't get me wrong. The Empire Strikes Back is a great film. It's my favorite of the series. It's a wonderful, it's actually the best film easily for me by far. But if you look at Star Wars, the first one, it was groundbreaking. That's for sure. But if you hold it up against the standard of today's films, it doesn't, it's, it's not that great of a film. But that's, that's, you, you can't hold it up against the standard of today's film. You have to look at the film at the time. I mean, there's, you can say that about anything with music, art, cars, whatever, you know, it's like, you, you, you can't, you can't, it's a different standard. I will respectfully disagree because I can hold up a film like The Godfather up against any film that comes out and with very few exceptions, I will choose The Godfather as one of the best films of all time. All right. Well, okay. So, so what, this may be pushing it into a tangent, but what about the original film then doesn't hold up? Now, I will argue... I didn't say it, didn't, I didn't say it doesn't I will, hold up. I will argue that the, the special effects could be updated, but the story... They still the hold up pretty good, too. The story, the acting, all that stuff, I think is fine. I don't have a problem with that film today. I Again, you're misinterpreting what I'm saying. I'm saying okay. that so if you hold it up it to the... <laughs> if you hold it up to the standard of yeah. the, the quality of acting today, uh-huh. the special effects today, the uh-huh. plot development of a lot of films today... Uh-huh. Those are all points I just brought up. It doesn't hold uh-huh. up as well. I think that's does. all. That doesn't mean I don't love the film. I do love the film. I didn't say you didn't love the film. I did say that I think those points outside of special effects, which could use updating, and honestly, they could remaster it and do those special effects again. Um, I think the acting holds up. I think the plot development holds up. I think the story holds up. I don't. The only thing I don't think holds up compared to today's films is the special effects. And I actually think the special effects are, are fine in that because I I've seen a, a lot, lot of movies from lot of from that era and they're with special effects and they look really cheesy. But if you watch that movie today, yeah, you can see those are special effects done in the late seventies, but they still look pretty good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For, what, for, for sure, it's yeah. like I said, it's a groundbreaking film. And I will tell you that if I have the choice of watching Star Wars digitally remastered or its original cut, I will choose the original cut. Yeah. Because I have that sentimental attachment to it. Because I remember growing up watching when I saw the TIE Fighters fly across the screen over the Death Star, you could see the little film cuts over where the TIE Fighter has been superimposed on the background of the Death Star. It doesn't bother me. I like it. Because Han shot first. Sure. Uh, and yeah. I mean, 
that for that alone. Well, now, I mean, you you can actually make the argument about special effects even in this movie because I thought the um the animation of Snoke when they were in the red throne room, uh, it was really annoying to me. Like they had him walking around and moving yeah. and stuff, and it looked. I I expected it to be a lot better, especially yeah. after what we saw with uh, Governor Tarkin in Rogue One. Yeah. So, do you think that was done as an intentional nod no. to the original films, or just they biffed no. it? No, I, 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 it's a style. I, I think that it was a character they decided to do in CGI that they shouldn't have done in CGI. Which I mean, by the way, so okay, so first of all, let me just jump back to what I was saying. I love the original trilogy and i just i i personally believe that we've romanticized it a lot so that we 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 make an impossible standard for the new films to jump over that being said i thought the last jedi was was great i thought it was fantastic i loved it does does do i did i love every part of it no did i think that there were some sections that they could have cut out yes absolutely but on the whole i thought it was a great film about Snoke, um, I can't recall. Well, in recent... Hold on, let me, let, me, let me give my overall impression, and then we'll get sure. into details. That was your overall impression, right? Yeah, that was great. My, um, my overall impression um, is that we the, the community was set up by Force Awakens as just being a new Star Wars movie that made it awesome, and Rogue One, which was just an incredible movie all around. Um, and then we get this movie, which is a very good movie, a very entertaining, a very enjoyable movie. But I felt like it was about a half an hour too long. Yeah. And um, I actually I saw it twice. I saw it once with the kids, and um, Gilly went and we saw it together. And um, I actually enjoyed it much better the second time. So I would say I, that I hear a lot of that. I've heard that from a lot of people. A lot of yep. people, yeah, exactly. That the, they yeah, had to because, get the uh, the shock. Uh, of, yeah, it was it was like that. Go and go in again and really see the details. Yeah, yeah, and there were there were there were a lot of nuances to this movie that make it from uh, from a many perspectives one of the most complex Star Wars movies that's ever been done. Yeah, and they are trying to do things in this movie, and I think they did them pretty well. Um, that are really cool and that are trying to set it apart from the nostalgia of the original series. Yeah. And I, and I, I, I appreciated and enjoyed this film right. so much better the second. Yeah. Time. So I will say that I, I completely agree with you, Gary, that I think that um, in the force awakens, they tried to do um, something. It was kind of like half trying to do something new and half paying homage yeah. to the original trilogy. Which is great, and there, it worked for the most part. I think it did, um, yeah. And then in the Last Jedi, what I thought they tried to do was, okay, now we're going into uncharted territory, and, and they, they weren't even clean. subtle about it. No, I mean, and I was kill it if I, you have to. Yeah, <laughs> you know, Luke said this is not what you think it's going. It's not going to turn out how you exactly. think it's going to turn out. I, mean, I was completely fine with it, and and yeah. in the Force Awakens, I loved it, but I knew where it was going. Yeah. In the Last Jedi, this is the first film, the first Star Wars film, where I had no clue what was going to happen. Yeah, and that exactly. was great. I had, yeah, that was that was one of the best things about it because the trailers. I think a lot of people made assumptions about what the film was going to do and what it was going to be based on the trailers, mm -hmm. and. My assumptions based on the trailers 
were completely wrong. Yeah. Like completely. I was so far off base on. Yeah. So, which was good. Which was good. Oh, it was great. Um, so I was going to say about Snoke, since you mentioned Snoke, if we want to talk yeah. about just a few details, has there ever been a greater buildup to the supervillain in a movie, in one movie, only to be so easily and summarily dismissed in another? I mean, oh my God, I know. I, was... I thought Snoke had, there was big plans on the horizon for Snoke. And given the Force and Star Wars universe, who knows what may happen yet. But yeah. Snoke was kind of just dispatched with rather easily, in my opinion. Uh, that, that you know, in all of the talk I've heard about that this movie, the whole sequence of the Red Throne Room is what everybody is talking about. Because yeah. there was th that sequence of, um, and they, they they broke it up with interspersing the other storylines, but that that to me. That scene in that room was the heart and soul of this movie. Mm -hmm. That was everything that this movie was about wrapped up into that one scene. And it was, it, it was, to me, it was stunningly shot, the set design, the um, Imperial Guards with their multiple weapons, yeah. the way they set up the plot points of that and the, the betrayal. And, um, and, and it was, it was the, the betrayal was almost multifaceted because you had yeah. mm -hmm. the whole thing about, uh, uh, Kylo Ren betrayed Rey by bringing her there, and then Kylo Ren betrays the Snoke, and yeah. then Kylo Ren again betrays Rey. Yes. it's like he loves her. He loves like, her. He then he hates her. Then he loves her it's again. Like, and then he, that, it was. It's so, very complex. That the, that got, scene and sequence is worth going to see the movie just for that alone. Yeah, and then you've got Luke Skywalker. He loves the Force. He hates the Force. <laughs> He yeah. uses the force and he he basically dismisses himself from the force for years and then he comes back and not only embraces the force but uses it in the most kick-ass way. By the way, I will say this. This is the greatest use of the force in any Star Wars film. <laughs> yeah. What Luke Skywalker does at the end. Yeah, it is. It, it absolutely is. And it was funny because they um they did really nice foreshadowing of that scene because um, the scene with him and Yoda and Yoda coming into this movie was just such a oh, nice, fantastic. What a nice treat. And it was, it was fantastic. the, it was the Empire Strikes Back Muppety looking Yoda thing, not an animated thing from the prequels. Right. It was this. Right. You know, so that was, that was nice. But, and he, um, and he, and by the way, he really, Yoda really tied in kind of the conflicts that, that all of us fans have had with the force over the years and the conflicts they had in the original trilogy. And Yoda basically came on and said, you know what? We didn't have everything right. Yeah. We screwed up. Yeah. We're not all knowing and all powerful. We're as fallible as anyone else. We just have incredible power at our fingertips, but we messed up. And when we mess up with that much power, it's messed up in a big way. Yeah. It, that was cool. But the, the foreshadowing of the last scene was how um, Yoda would like hit Luke. Like he was physically feeling what, what Yoda was doing, right? Mm -hmm. So in the previous movies, whenever you saw a dead Jedi, it was just a ghost figure. Right. But in this movie, they, they did it where Yoda actually has physical presence there. So that, and then, then they took that one step further with that final scene with Luke and Kylo Ren. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, I thought that, the, that was a nice tie-in. 
and and incidentally just to kind of do the reverse path on luke <laughs> luke's introduction in this film i mean i was laughing <laughs> for five hilarious. minutes for five minutes i was laughing at his introduction that was the greatest thing ever Keith doesn't care. Perfect. Keith doesn't care about spoilers. You care about? Do you care to hear what happens? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. So the end of the of the Force Awakens, you have Ray holding out the lightsaber to Luke, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So in the beginning, their first scene together, she you know goes a little closer. He takes the lightsaber in her hand. He's looking all poignant, examining it. Like, like he's examining it. Yeah. He's turning it over in his hand, and then he tosses it over his shoulder off the cliff. <laughs> like f this lightsaber i don't want like, anything to do with it yeah whatever <laughs> it was amazing that's awesome i that's was what i said like the, the trailers you would you assumed that he was going to be like oh. here's my new padawan we're going to start training and he's just like nah, fuck this so and and also too gary when you talk about things being tr- you know the truths from a certain point of view and kind of the conflicting stories um you know what what happened between Luke and Kylo Ren is explained in this film. Yeah, um, that is but what but what you find out is that everybody has their own perspective yeah. on what happened. And everyone is they're both right and they're both wrong at the same time. To me, that was such a statement about that, that was like the most political statement that this movie made. I mean, the other movies have made some political statements. Yeah. undertones but this one was that to me was it like you all think you're right and you are but you're also all wrong and you need to figure out where the happy medium is so that you can communicate to each other and with each other at the, at the right level and and understand yeah. each other's perspectives right that's that's just uh, that was yeah and that, that 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 theme too is kind of carried through with um with poe with poe dameron's arc in the film where he is kind of becomes the de facto um, big man on campus in the in the resistance, um, but the way that the resistance, with the way Leia is carrying things out, and the way that you know her second in command kind of you yeah. know takes over the reins for a while, he he's really struggling against it and kind of goes out on his own. When you know you may be a hotshot pilot, but you don't know everything. Yeah. And you know there are reasons for why we're doing what we're doing. It's a, there's a, there's an importance to um, winning the battle if you can for sure, but you want to be able to stay alive to try to win the war, and that's something he didn't understand yet. That storyline, his storyline, and um, Finn's storyline. When I came out of that movie with the kids, and we were we were talking, and we none of us we were all kind of going like, why did they even have that in the movie? Like, why were they going off to this other planet and that whole thing? And then when I saw it again the second time, it made a lot more sense as I to hope why so. that was. A, yeah, I hope so because that's the half hour I was talking about that um, could have been cut, in my opinion. I've only seen it once, so. <clears throat> well, it's yeah, possible. I'm I setting up for the next movie too. Uh, no, not really. It was it, it was it was really about it was really about um, Poe and Ben's character development more than right. anything and where they're going to go in the next movie the storyline could have been they could have they could have done that in a much more streamlined way um so i, I think they could it's, have mat- it's maturing those two characters very quickly i think is what they were trying to do 
Yeah, they were trying um, to but it also was a very it was a very clear statement about um, about the kind of the, the sins of avarice and greed mm -hmm. uh, because they go to this planet to try to find a um, supposed smuggler or thief that's going to help them get onto this massive star destroyer to help them escape right um, yeah which is weird because the whole the whole thrust of the film is that the resistance is trying to outrun um the first order but they don't have the main ship doesn't have their jump drive they can't they can't go to hyperspace so they're well, all sticking together they, they they could go to hyperspace but they realize it's pointless right so they're just being constantly chased and they go to this 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 planet of basically a casino planet where all the rich people hang out and it's clearly it's the one percenters. They're the ones that make the armaments and the weapons and the spaceships. It was, but it was Monte Carlo. Yeah, and it it turns out that they've been selling uh, armaments and ships to both sides, and just getting rich and fat off the war. Um, so they they were clearly trying to make a statement there. Yeah. Not that, that. I'm saying that they can't, but. Yeah, that was that was, but that was kind of an obvious statement. It, that, but I, that that kind of pulled me out of the story for a little while. Yeah, that, it did. That was that was a tangent they didn't need to do, and it was it also exposes a plot hole because yeah. um, uh, what was her name Rose? Was her name Rose? Um, Rose, yeah. Um, and Finn took off in the ship at at light speed, and um, went to a planet and came back. And I don't know what the capacity of yeah, that ship I, is. I, I don't understand. Like how many people Why? could be on that ship, right? Like let, let's say let's say it's it's eight people. Yeah. In the course of this whole long chase sequence, why don't you just keep running that shuttle back and forth to places and get people off the main ship? Sure. Yes. Like, and and why? Even if you don't get everybody, you get and a lot. Why? Right? Why when they see this ship? Why when the first order sees this ship exit out of the out of the rebel fleet? Why aren't they, they sending they anyone to go after it? But, but that was the thing. They weren't. They weren't. They didn't see it because the whole hyperdrive thing was. Um, they were only following the main ship with the hyperspace thing. Right. So when the little ship went out, they didn't even notice it because it left at light speed. Okay. So I, I that but still it was kind of but I you know whatever, um, it, it still didn't overall. I don't know. I, yes, they could have shortened that, but still it was it was a good movie. You know the the one thing for me that kind of made it hard to watch the first time was um carrie fisher and yeah. it, not her specifically but carrie fisher died after the filming wrapped up and yeah, yeah. um so i assumed and I, a lot everybody i talked to assumed that she would princess leah would die in this film right and so the whole movie i was waiting for that emotional scene where princess leah dies Right, and so the first time I saw it, I like the whole the whole time I was like, okay, this is where she dies. And there, then there was one point where it was There's like a yep, spot where, where she, she def definitely can be yep. where she dies. Where she dies, <laughs> and then that also um, was a kind of another big kind of a plot hole. Uh, a little bit, but not you know the force. Yeah, you know, I didn't know the force allows you to be ejected into the cold vacuum of space and survive and basically fly Superman like into a ship and be saved. Well, but Princess Leia can do that. Princess Leia can do that. So, um, if Yoda can whack Luke Skywalker with his cane after being dead for how many years? But Princess Leia's had no training. 
that we well, know. But, I guess that we know. Uh, but that, Leia that, has always had force awareness. Uh, the, uh, has always had well, force awareness. Besides um, that setup, that premise has been done in other movies to reasonable effect. Too that you no. that you don't die instantly in the vacuum of space. That there is there is time a little bit, although it may be before you freeze to death, where you can transfer you know from one vessel to another with minimal damage and. and the other so, thing is that it is possible. She, Having not seen the scene, it's hard for me to say, but but yeah. it sounds like something that's but he's but he's right. There was it was very up. clearly set up a, a nice spot. It was kind of in the mostly the beginning of the film, where yeah. it looks like she's she's dead, um, and she's like, oh, okay, so so I'm thinking to myself, as sure Gary was too. Oh, okay, so here's where they, yeah, here's where they got yeah. rid of Leia, and, but, they, and they didn't, and so no. so she was alive at the end of the film and still leading the resistance. Yeah, well. Handing over the reins of the resistance. Well, she's still but there, though. She's still there, but the the so to me, Carrie Fisher's death tainted my first viewing of this film because I was expecting her character to die, and it didn't. And because of that, I, it I kept expecting it, and so I was I was, and and because of that emotional attachment to the original trilogy. That's, I mean, that's a significant event. Like when Han Solo died in The Force Awakens, everybody was like, oh, you know, that was that was significant. And so you were waiting for that, and it never happened in the movie. And then when I saw it the second time, I knew that wasn't going to happen. So I was able to focus well, on the movie. In itself was kind of its own little cliffhanger. The fact that she didn't die. A little bit, yeah. And and I and um, one of the podcasts I listened to um, – with Jason Snell, he he talked about that. He and his take was that they decided to let this be Carrie Fisher's last performance and let it stand as it was and not try to redo it after she died. Just here is her that last performance, yeah, and yeah, enjoy it and, and love her for it. And I, I thought that was a great way to do it, so right. Um, anyway. so where Sorry, I mean, where, where, were you with, uh, where were you with Kylo Ren? So we haven't really touched on Kylo Ren much. Um, his I think, development, I guess you could say. So I'm going to start with Adam Driver. And um, Adam Driver is the best actor that has ever been in a Star Wars movie. Wow. Well, not, not, maybe not the best actor this minister, but the best acting performance in a Star Wars movie. Because hmm. there's been some good actors in some Star Wars movies, right? Hmm. But Interesting. his performance in this, in this movie in particular, I think, is, was, really, was really good. Um, uh, I, I the, Kylo Ren's great. I, I love the the character of Kylo Ren and the the conflict and everything because it, it's kind of like everything you assumed about Darth Vader, but you're seeing it played out right. in a much more dramatic and obvious way. And he doesn't. <laughs> I I love his rage issues. Like you know, in the first movie, he had some scenes where he was just destroying stuff, and there would be like. A couple of stormtroopers that would see it and they'd like turn around and walk away and you know he had a couple of those kind of moments in this movie as well and it's just mm. it's just yeah. great to see somebody completely lose it and go off mm. the hook and you know have that thing and then the the flip side is the emotional and personal conflict that he's having but um yeah i i think i think the um kylo ren ray story arc is going to be Fantastic in the next movie, and I'm, that's what I'm looking for. Yeah, I can care I mean, less about Finn and Poe. It's it's all about Ren and Ray. He's your he's your main baddie. I mean, yeah, Snoke is gone. Snoke is gone. 
Phasma, I mean, once again, nice introduction of a character that really has no bearing on the story at all. She barely had anything to do. No more Phasma. Yeah. No more Snoke. Uh, General Hux is not much of a villain. Um, so now you've got you've got Kylo Ren basically carrying the load. What did you think of that opening sequence um, where uh, Hux is talking to Poe in the? <laughs> okay, so here's the thing. Domal Gleason, which is his name, uh, you know him from the Harry Potter films. He's been in yeah. like a ton of great a Deus Ex Machina, um, some really really good movies. He's a great actor, a son of a really awesome actor, Brendan Gleason. Um, I think that the that the slant, either that he took or they wanted him to take on this character, was just entirely wrong. It just it's he's just like a sniveling. I, I, I mean, I, I'm thinking. I'm thinking to myself, how did this guy ever rise through the ranks to become the the number one military commander Snoke in the first order? Snoke told Kylo Ren. Why he said it in the in the movie? He said, you, "Why?" How, well, he said, "You need." It was basically because he is so gullible and pliable. Oh. <laughs> I mean, okay. Well, yeah, sure. All right. Snoke. Snoke flat out said how he got to where he was in the movie. It was one line. Hux got to where he was. How? Yeah, Hux got to where he was. Yeah, okay. it was one I definitely will have to go see it again yeah, because it was one line and it was perfect. I can't remember his exact phrasing of it, but it was basically yeah. like, "I needed someone to be my tool, and this guy was it." Right. Oh well. So I mean, like we said, though overall impressions, really good. I love it. I mean, where where would this rank to kind of put a bow on this, Gary? Where would this rank on the continuum of Star Wars films? Well, where would you? Are we counting the prequels? Sure, sure. Add them in. And Rogue One. Well, it's a Star Wars film. Uh, the um, the prequels are all at the bottom. Yeah. You know, I to me, Rogue One is maybe my favorite Star Wars movie, mm. and, and I, I, I have a hard time even saying that because of the attachment to the other movies, but I think Rogue, Rogue One's there. This is not going to rank up in the top of, you know, at the top movie. Um, it's probably somewhere, well, I guess if you ranked him Rogue One, probably Empire Strikes Back, probably Star Wars Return of the Jedi, Force Awakens, and then this one. So it's probably around five, four, five, six in that range. Yeah, I would absolutely agree with you. I probably from for me I would flip flop Empire and Rogue One. I mean I I think Rogue One's fantastic. I, there's just it's a great war film, buddy movie, just a like a, it's basically the dirty dozen in Star Wars. Or the Magnificent yeah. Seven. It's it's a great film. But I mean Empire for me is always the best. And then Star Wars Return of the Jedi, I think I probably would put this one slightly ahead of The Force Awakens. Um but it's it's very close. Yeah. And then the prequel. Yeah, you know, you I you I could convince myself of that pretty easily because the Force Awakens was kind of a, a had so much rehashing of the previous trilogy that yeah. um I, I could see ranking this better because this one really did all, everything different. Yeah. It just it, was it so everything it's different. so different from Star Wars. It just yeah, felt it, like it, something fresh but still in that universe. And I yeah. think that um Luke's Luke's um arc in this film is 
I loved how I loved where his character went in this movie. Yeah. So. So Keith, this Keith, has been yeah, a great show for you. Yeah. Well, I'll let you know when I when I finally see it. Uh, I I can't agree more though with Rogue One being probably my favorite of the Star Wars movies that I've seen to date, which is all of them except the one you guys are talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, Just I've this won't pro- change that opinion. Yeah, I have a feeling that'll that'll hold. Um, I probably Empire will stay second, but I'm looking forward to this picking up a, a third place spot. So. Mm. It it just may. I do, I do agree with you. I I do need to go back and see it again. I really, yeah. I really do. It is um, a it, it is a very rich movie in terms yeah. of what they are doing, and you don't get that in one viewing. You know, it's it's funny that um, uh, I'm sorry, just a little tag in the Return of the Jedi when uh, Ben Kenobi kind of you know Luke confronts Ben about why he didn't tell him that Vader was his father. Spoiler. Um, and it's, and Kenobi kind of says it's, it's from a certain point of view and, and everyone kind of rips that, that line or that sequence to shreds. Interestingly enough, if you watch a a cut scene or a deleted scene from Return of the Jedi, it was originally going to be in there that, uh, Yoda told Kenobi not to tell Luke about his father because it was too much of a burden on him. Um, that it was actually Yoda's idea not to tell him. Anyway, but you know they took a lot of flack for, and it's one of the pe- things people criticize Return of the Jedi about this stupid explanation. Um, but that that fr- I kept thinking of that phrase when I was watching the Last Jedi. Um, it's it's all depends on your point of view, and yeah. that's really true in this. There's a lot of dichotomy with all of the characters. That there's a good side, a bad side. They do smart things, dumb things. And uh, so it's if you go through if you go into this this film with that kind of a viewpoint, I think you'll really enjoy it. Yeah, I think so. And know that Princess Leia doesn't die. No, she's good. It's all good. Uh, so you know, th- with this new loosey goosey format, I mean, since we're closing in in an hour, I guess we're going to skip our picks or hold them over. Yeah, I'll just you- hold them to the next time. All right. This yeah. was a good discussion. I didn't want to interrupt it, but uh, we are pushing long, so. That's what she's Are we going to rate these beers? Yeah, well, I'll give Southern Pecan a uh, 10. That's an easy one. It's awesome. Delicious, delicious. Well, Rob doesn't do that very often. Yeah. Nope. No, but he does love his brown ales. I do. So, How do you want to um, I, I really enjoyed the dark chocolate scotch ale. In fact, I need to go get the other one that's upstairs and, and let my wife try it because I have a feeling she'll really like it too. Um, I would give that as a as a specialty Scotch ale, which you don't see very often. That's got to be a nine. Um, and while you guys were were rambling on poetically about Star Wars, I, I dipped into the Raspberry White, which I have to say, uh, this is my last one, and I have been enjoying it so much. I'm probably going to buy another six pack before it disappears from the store. This is a fantastic beer. Um, the raspberry in it is so tart that you will uh, you will forget that this is a wheat beer. It blows away the smoothness and the little bit of spice you get from a white or a wheat. And it's just focused on tart raspberries and smooth drinking. Uh, it's a fantastic surprise for a winter beer. 
And I think that's what really throws me is the raspberries in a winter beer like this. Um, really, really great, easy to drink. If you love sour beers, this is worth a try. If you're interested in sour beers, this is a good entry point. Uh, super tart raspberry flavor that's obviously not from a syrup. It's from crushed raspberries in the malt with the wheat beer. Really good. Nice. Cool. Okay. Um, well, yeah. And pretty in pink. Oh, I get this one. Pretty. Okay. I um, I'm gonna give Celebration Ale a seven um, because it's good. I mean, it's not like the most fabulous IPA that I've ever had, but um, it's good and it's very drinkable. And I'll continue to buy a six pack every year around Christmas. Hmm. Lovely. All right, so uh, we're gonna close out season five, episode one. New season, guys. Are are we gonna close out with regular music or more Laurel and Hardy? Let's yeah, close out. Let's no. let's close out with the regular music. I don't think Gary dug the Laurel and Hardy music. I'd rather have longer than mine. All right, so coming up next week, hopefully. Episode two. Getting on track again with the beer. Hope you join us. Talk about it to your friends. Give us some feedback. You love it. Pioneer no Return Show. Thanks, everybody. I'll take a strong stout over time.